Welcome to Chillin' with Chillin' a space where we explore ways to live a more expansive and joyful life. I'm your host, Gabriella Chilmi, and I'll be chatting to guests and experts from all walks of life about what they're most passionate about. So grab yourself a cuppa and get ready to deep dive into soulful conversation. Blue Religion is an ocean conservation organization with a mission to protect the underwater realms, educate people of all ages, and explore the hidden depths and treasures of the ocean. Today, I speak with Bernardo Oten about his work with Blue Religion, shark conservation, the pollution crisis that's impacting our coastlines, and what we can do to help. Welcome to Chilling with Chill Me, Bernardo. Hi, Gabriela. How are you doing? It was doing an amazing today? presentation. <laughs> you gave it a lot of heart. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I love saying ocean conservation organization. Love it. It's, it's I like marine conservation nice also. <laughs> marine conservation is nice as well. It's yeah. beautiful language to play with. Yes. Before we speak about your work with Blue Religion. I'd love to learn a little bit more about how you grew up and your relationship to the blue in general. Were you always drawn to the ocean? It's it's funny because I had this conversation with my mom recently. Because um, I we had a um, uh, we had a conversation with with a bunch of friends of mine, and and everyone was telling about their their first time that they see they saw the ocean, and when it when it uh, it came to my moment to speak i was i actually don't remember the first time i saw it i don't know you know i'm old now <laughs> i'm 33 so you you, no, you tend to like forget things age. we're kind of the same age you're from 91 or 90 91 oh, i'm from 90 okay we are kind of the same age but you you tend to forget things <laughs> and um and my mom told me no you don't remember we went to this this is spot and my mom is is uh, thalassophobic kind of she's terrified with ocean she has a phobia big time phobia um about sharks she's terrified with them like, she cannot even see a picture of them oh my god <laughs> she must be terrified that her son goes diving with them no she just doesn't like to see them okay no don't look at them she she knows that statistically it's you know it's not going to be dangerous for me and I don't do the dangerous stuff so much so yeah. I don't I don't take people directly to to the ocean to to I'm not, I'm not an instructor so yeah. she knows that it's it's fine it's more <laughs> um, so yes and, and the the first time which I I saw the ocean I just walked in. Mm. until really far because the, the tides were quite high so mm. you could you know you could walk and and it didn't get deep um until really far away. Away. Yeah. yeah but she was terrified with it i i was really always really interested in in the in the ocean in astronomy as a kid and then as a teenager sometimes you tend to to um to forget about these passions because you're you're a teenager so you have to <laughs> you just forget about it yeah. and then i feel like we always come back later as adults to the passions which we had uh as a kid so i came back to my love of for the ocean and um and i started to 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 work with blue religion officially two years ago no three years ago but i've been doing this job for for four years now yeah and um that's interesting. I was I was thinking, 
because we're born around the same time, Little Mermaid was like a yes. really big deal when we were kids. Was it a big deal uh, for you? Um, no, but, but it's because it's um. I used to live in a small village, mm. so we had maybe three or four kids my age, and we just <laughs> we would exchange the VHS. Yeah. And uh, I just didn't. We just didn't have this VHS, so I, <laughs> I didn't know exactly what we just did. Yeah. So you grew I up had the Lion King. <laughs> oh, you like you're you're a Lion King kind of guy. I was watching it every day. My mom was over it. <laughs> I loved um, Lion King, and there was one called Fern Gully. Do you know where the fairy, oh, no. the rainforest? That one's really beautiful. And I think it's actually set in Australia too. But uh, oh, never heard. Um, so you grew up in, <laughs> we can talk about Disney films later. Um, <laughs> also for a podcast on that, that would be really fun. Yeah. Um, so you grew up in Northern France, right? Yeah. Okay. Try, try to pronounce the name of my area, of my region. Picardie. Laon? Oh, Picardie. Oh. Laon. How- no, you no. say long. 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 I have a terrible. So random to hear you say that. <laughs> Such a, a horrible French accent, I'm sure. But um, when did you actually discover or begin working in marine conservation? Um, well, at some point I was, um, well, I, I was studying, um, I was failing law school for a few years and then um i i worked in the in the lawyer's office mm. for a few months it was well paid and it was there was not much to do but i felt like i was a little bit in depression i think because i didn't yeah. see the point in all of this and during that time i was uh, i was avoiding work and i was watching so many documentaries and um and i i was kind of dreaming about you know, having this kind of, of job someday, but it felt really not possible because my uh, I don't I don't come from a very privileged background, and I and I was working in you know when you when you start living in Paris, it's kind of a prison. I, I imagine it's kind of the same with London, where it's so difficult to find yeah. a decent apartment, and once you have one, if you leave it, you're it's it can be really complicated to get another one. But I decided to take a risk and to to try my luck with little money, little <laughs> little knowledge of what to do. <laughs> if I if I think about it now, I'm like, it was not very. It, it turned out well at, in the end, but it was maybe not. Um, you must the have most, been following your instincts. Uh, it was very brave. Definitely, it was it was the bravest thing I've done. Definitely. <laughs> it's funny at the time, you don't, especially when you're younger. You're so much more mm-hmm. willing to take a risk. It's like yeah. I was not that young. I was twenty twenty six already. But oh, that's young these days. That's young. But still, uh huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, they need... <laughs> <laughs> my my parents were very confused. Like, <laughs> they, they were not even like they, they, they just uh, when I told them they were like, but what? what why? Why? What are you gonna? What are you gonna do in Mexico? They thought <laughs> that I would become a lawyer or something, and, and then it's like, oh no, actually no, I'm gonna go to Mexico and, and do um, I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> do you basically? So you were living in Paris, studying law, yeah. and then you yeah. made this decision mm-hmm. off the bat to just pick up quit. and go to quit and go to Mexico, and yeah. and why Mexico? I've always uh, loved Mexico and. Um, and and I had my ex partner was uh, from Mexico. 
Ah, I said so that... at the at the beginning it was uh, it was out of out of love, but also I have always loved uh, Mexico very much. Oh yeah. goodness, that's on my top. Actually, that's number one on my list of destinations to go. Is is Mexico? You are coming to an expedition with us, whether you like it or not. I have decided it. So you're coming <laughs> with to swim with sharks with us. You're gonna do a cleanup with us. That's gonna be so much fun. Well, yeah, I would love to. I'm definitely doing the cleanup. It's funny at first when you mentioned, would you be up for swimming with sharks? I mean, we'll get into the shark combo later, yeah. but I, I've told a few people, and I'm Australian, so we're taught sharks yeah. danger zone, like yeah. danger zone. Don't don't swim with yeah. the sharks. So everyone's like, "What are you crazy?" But I'm like, "No, these these people they know they they do it all the time. They know what they're talking about." Yeah. But but I want to I want to talk about that later because I've got about a billion questions about that. But sure. so, what did you do when you first got to Mexico, and how did you find work with Blue Religion? So at the at the beginning, I was still traveling around, and I was doing volunteer work to uh, to start a teaching career, which I did because you know I I, I failed law school, but I succeeded uh, language language universities. So at the end, even if I failed the law school part, I still had a, a diploma. So I started teaching and traveling a little bit. Uh, learning to speak Spanish, working on on different projects, which, which were not really um, environmental, uh, like they, it was not related to the ocean. And then I moved to to uh, Thailand for a few months, where I learned how to dive and met uh, this important character for later in the story, yeah. Lucia Baranova, who taught me how to dive. And man, it was it was uh, I was not a good diver. She said that at the beginning, I had all the all the theory right because I was really yeah. willing to do everything well, and I was learning my lesson. I wanted to be the teacher's pet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but then she she said like I was optimistic with you, and then we went into the water, and it was not good. You were one of the worst students I've ever. <laughs> you almost died so many times, and I saved you. I literally saved your lives many many times, and you were like just excited i just didn't realize um the fact that i almost died apparently oh my god so uh, did you have any prior experience with like swimming oh it's not the same it's not the same you can be a good swimmer and a terrible diver some people are amazing at it right away for example my my best friend louis hi louis is <laughs> is i recently taught recently learned how to dive and he's great at it He's like fish in the ocean. We, I'm taking him now to really complicated dive, which I do now because I'm more experienced. I think I have like uh, 300, possibly like between 200 and 300 dives now. Wow. But he has the same level as me now and he has done 10. <laughs> That's incredible. So, so your first experience in the water is not to, good. Go to, to go to plan. <laughs> so how... What does it feel like? I mean, now that you're able to enjoy it, what does it feel uh -huh. like when you're diving? I see, I've seen images on Blue Religion's Instagram um, mm. page footage of the underwater dives, and it is like just magical. Like that, I can imagine being a religious experience. It is, um, yes, it it is, it is a very special experience because you're not in your elements you know you're not you're not a fish mm -hmm. so you have to be really aware of what you have around you and you have to be aware of your breathing you have to be aware of of where you go and what you see 
<clears throat> and at the beginning where if you're a little bit too excited it might, it might not go wrong but it, you might try too much you know you might yeah. try to to explore everything and see everything and, and if you move too much you use up a lot of air so yeah. your <laughs> so your dive is shorter and um and i think that the the, the thing that the ocean has taught me is to be patient because mm. sometimes when you try too hard to look for a fish you can't see it but if you chill a little bit sometimes they do show up so um, it, it's a really patient it's a really like slow slow sport and uh and it's really based on observation you watch you you take a look <clears throat> the sounds are different the colors are different the feeling is different if you dive really really um deep there's a there's a funny feeling in in your face and so, so you were you went to Thailand, and then you yeah. came across Lucia, yes. and you kind of became besties, I guess. No, no, not besties. <laughs> not at the beginning. Not at the beginning. I mean, we, we we were friends. We were friends. We were yeah. hanging out, and we we. I, I used to work at a restaurant, and she would come to the restaurant more often too. Yeah, because that's the only place in Thailand where you could get decent uh, alcohol. Because <laughs> <laughs> alcohol in Thailand is horrible. So, but we we had some imported wines, and uh, and sometimes we would have a a little, a little glass. <laughs> and so, did you yeah. end up reconnecting in Mexico then? Or what yes. happened? We we kept contact uh, for for two years. We were talking sometimes, like, and uh, she she went back to to Slovakia. She went back to to Bali, where she where she works, and she decided to move to Mexico to to start a shark conservation project. But then the pandemics started, mm. so we were. We, oh, it was really a complicated uh, thing for us because a lot of the expeditions which we do were kind of put on hold. Yeah, we had already because when you when you book expeditions, um, for from our side we have to pay deposits, which are very expensive. Yeah, so we had a lot of money from the deposits which were in, in put in hold. Yeah, and which we could not, uh, and we could not do the the expeditions until this year, basically. Because you're an NGO, and obviously that's what I was going to ask you. Like, yeah. how do you fund all of your conservation programs? Expeditions and uh, and donations also, but mostly expeditions because we want to maintain a certain freedom in what we do. Yeah, because if you accept, usually if you accept money from companies who want to. Who want to use, uh, you know, marine conservation as a as an asset? Usually, it's with companies which are a bit problematic, so we don't want yep. to uh, to be involved in that. So, tell us about Blue Religion and the work you do there. So, <clears throat> Blue Religion was uh, officially founded in, in uh, 2019 by by Lucia, and as we. But between 2019 and 2021, uh, there, there was not much happening because of the pandemics. Yeah. Uh, and I started in 2020, on the first week of 2020, actually, uh, doing beach cleanups on my own because I I was I was looking for ways to to get involved into I mean into this this world of marine conservation, but it it can be a little bit difficult when you when you're just uh, you know. Uh, a marine conservation enthusiast yeah. to, to to get involved because there are uh, big projects which will never reply to your messages or which will you know is it's complicated to start so I was like yeah. 
you know what you you managed to start many many weird random things in your life so why <laughs> just try try this and see how, see how it works and uh and i started beach cleaners because everyone can anyone can be beach cleaner yep i was i'm gonna start with this and it worked pretty well and i enjoyed doing it so um, i thought like okay maybe i can do one next month and next month and let, let's do two next month oh and then it turned out like every weekend and sometimes two to three times a week so and, and the and little by little the the um, um the group of volunteers and, and of people who knew about the project got bigger and bigger and then lucia showed up and was would you like to work with with me would you like yeah. to 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 run to run things with me like i, I would do I would work on on shark conservation. You would do you would run the pollution program, and then um, and then there's a there's also Nicole who's uh, who's involved with us. So we basically it's mostly the three of us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Amazing because you guys do you have a few different programs yeah. and you have the exhibitions, um, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about the first about the shark conservation yeah. Yeah. Uh, program that you have uh, with sharks. So our shark conservation program, and now I can officially talk about it because it's more, it's more, uh, it's more there. It's happening. Um, it's more happening. And uh, the, the shark conservation program is called Amwara, which means blue in, Lucia is going to kill me, but I forgot which language. <laughs> <laughs> it means blue somewhere in the world. <laughs> and... Um, and basically, we're we're based in a in a village town uh, called San Blas in Nayarit, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a it is a small village where shark fishing is is still quite problematic. Yeah, and uh, we are working there to bring ecotourism uh, to the village because the village is not doing well financially. It's not doing well. Mm-hmm. The, the the ocean is pretty much empty now. So we're we're running the the project with the fishermen, with the local authorities and the and the local uh, administrations and and schools to to implement uh, many many projects, many education projects, yeah, uh, scientific uh, investigation, which we uh, which we are starting, I think this summer, and mm. uh, and ecotourism, which we are starting uh, pretty much now. Our first expedition is in two weeks. Oh wow! Um, and this brings um different source of income for the local communities. Yes. So they change the chip, you know, a little bit, so they see that sharks are more valuable uh, alive than alive. Dead. I it... don't like to talk about like the money value of, of no the living, but, but it for must them, be... It's gonna be important. Yeah, of course, it must be difficult because. I'm guessing that these are like well established or at least have been there for generations, like fishing communities in places like San Blas. And I was going to ask, how do you approach working with them? We we got really lucky for this project because uh, when when you're an environmental activist, it's not always an easy <laughs> an easy position because yeah. you, you may be perceived as you know the pain in the ass, basically. Yeah. Because you're gonna, you're gonna. Can I swear or not? Ruffle some feathers <laughs> a bit. <laughs> yeah, you can. I think I have to like tick a box on the pot the, the the podcast platform that says there's swearing in it. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that stops you. But I'm I'm sure it's fine. 
Did you swear? I did you swear? A pain in the ass. That's is that swearing? I, I guess. <laughs> I'm Australian. That's quite. That's just like everyday language. <laughs> Wait, when was the swearing? <laughs> so, but basically, with with this uh, with this uh, project, we were really lucky because we were not perceived as the troublemakers. Um, because I, I have my job basically is to um, go to these communities and approach them and speak with them because that's that's what I'm good at. The girls yeah. don't the speaking part so much <laughs> <laughs> and you have to approach them with the to show interest in what they do in 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 the in the village and what they what they catch and just make conversation it's it's not that complicated you know just yeah make, make small talk with them and they give you a lot of valuable uh information and then at some point you can say that you that you're working uh in uh, in ecotourism they they would not mind just maybe not use like I'm a marine conservation activist. Hi, because they would be. Uh, yeah. Sometimes they think that we're the f- fishing control agent. Uh, there's a, I don't know how you call it, like the an administration which uh, yeah. performs controls. They think sometimes they think we're that. <laughs> so we have to to tell them we're not. Yeah, you're not we're, here. We're not here to tell you off. No. Here to. Yeah, we're li- we're really not because they are. Um, we're not in any conflicts. We're not in any conflicts no. with them. We're not against uh, against fishing either. We just um, we just know that the the problematic practices are are to be resolved in different in different ways. It's, it's always I always use this analogy like you if you're against Nike, you wouldn't go to Bangladesh and and scream at the workers in the in the factories, you know. So it's um it's kind of a same here, <clears throat> and um and they they know they they already know that uh, that these problems exist, and that the the ocean is in is in danger in in their in in the area. So they are ready to make the change, and they are a little bit tired of not making so much money. Mm-hmm. So they they see it as an opportunity, and um. And they are really collaborative because we have we we offer jobs. So usually they are really lovely people, and um and they have they have the knowledge <clears throat> because there are not a lot of um there are not a lot of scientific studies about sharks on this area. I think the last one which was published was in '04. So yeah, that's ages ago. It was twenty years ago, literally. Mm. So we're starting um. So we need their their help to to lead the expeditions and also to 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 work on the uh, scientific research program, which we will do on baby hammerheads. The project is to uh, to track them. So in order to track them, you have to fish them first. I yep. mean, fish them. Obviously, we're not going to kill them. We're just going to put a little chip on them to kind of observe the migration. So we we're going to work on that, and this will be a uh, you know a alternative source of income for 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 fishing uh, communities that's awesome mm-hmm. and speaking of sharks maybe we can debunk a few myths about sharks yes. <laughs> so, true or false sharks they just want to eat everyone no not really not really because <laughs> it, it's 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 like any of us at some point they 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 are full you know yeah, they they are really useful to ecosystems because they are actually 
quite opportunistic. They will not eat a prey which can fight back. Okay. <laughs> they will eat they will eat sick or maybe sometimes injured animals as oh you know it's it's an easy prey. Mm. Um so that's why they're not really they're not really attacking us. They're not really attacking big prey. They're not like bloodthirsty. They're not like well they're predators, but they're not just going to eat when they're not hungry, like you said. Yes, and they're not um, no. they're not gonna put themselves in danger with no just as to eat. Just for no reason. So they yeah. assess the situation. They're good at assessing the situation. They they observe a lot, they assess a lot, they have a very developed sense of of smell. Uh-huh. And especially uh I mean maybe it's gonna be a part of your myth. Maybe are you gonna ask about if we are on the menu or not? <laughs> yeah, that's basically that's that's my that's my just main that's the main thing. Are they? Uh, yeah, are we on the menu? Basically, <laughs> uh, we're not. We're really not. I mean, that that's kind of a funny, uh, the funny thing about human, uh, human about mankind. We we think so highly of ourselves, but it is pretty much agreed by all the animal kingdom that we are not good meat. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not a lot of animals would um, would eat us. It is extremely, extremely rare to see a shark which will hunt, attack, and eat a human as prey. It has happened before, but um, but it's a very it's it's a, it's an abnormal situation. So they're not they don't find humans particularly delicious. But when you're diving with sharks. Mm-hmm. You have to be, is there a training that's involved, especially if someone's going to come on an expedition with you? Um, no, you don't, you don't have to do much, but we will definitely train you before. It's just that Lucia knows how to, uh, how to manage them. Sharks are actually quite predictable. It's a little bit like dogs. Uh, they have, they have a, a very, a very developed body language, which you can, definitely read and anticipate easily and lucia has uh, has so much experience with sharks that she's you know it's a, it's a bit of a routine for her i think she's in the water right now as we're talking oh, <laughs> she's wow. in, the, in the, yes she's in baja california right now so she's she's probably in the water with sharks as we're talking. probably she's probably swimming with the sharks yeah and so she will be, she will go first, you know, she will go first. Um, yeah. She will be in the front line and you'll be a little bit uh, more behind, but you can usually get pretty close. They don't really mind. If they mind, they will start dropping their fins like this. Yeah. And they will, they will look kind of pissed also. Yeah. They can open the mouth slowly to, to see like, Hey, I have teeth. Be careful. Yeah. To show you like I can attack. So if you see these signs, it's it's better for you to back off because they are, you know, they are predators and you might be either competition or some animal which wants to attack. Because remember, they not they don't see humans every day. It's it's yeah. a really rare thing for them. So they they are like, hmm, I don't know what this thing this thing is. Do they want to attack? Sometimes they may they may uh, even go really close to you. Yeah. very fast which can be a little bit intimidating but it's yeah. because they want to know what you are also they are very curious animals but if you see that they drop the fins they open the mouth and uh, the, they pop the gills it means that they're, they're getting ready to to attack and then you have to go <laughs> and if they attack they would not eat you they would just bite you because they hate like 
they they would um, believe that you didn't understand the body language, but you would understand the body language. It's a little bit like a dog, you know. And you mentioned that sharks are really important um, to the whole ecosystem, marine ecosystem. W- what do you find is endangering them the most? The fishing, the fishing, for sure. Because I um, imagine that pollution and the change of pH in the water and the change of temperature must probably affect some of them. But I think that sharks are possibly not the most affected by this. But definitely, but that's definitely supposition. But the, the biggest problem for sharks is is humans. Uh, there's an average of 10,000 sharks fished every hour. Wow, and uh, and we have um, we have lost seventy percent of shark populations in the in the last forty years. So it's um, it, it's basically us. Bloody hell! So we think the that they're yeah, we think that they're a threat to us, but really yeah. we're a much bigger threat to them. In pop culture and in, in, in movies, in video games, and everything, there's a uh, sharks are presented as bloodthirsty demons, but it's. <laughs> Not exactly what it is. It's not exactly what it is. Um, they can be dangerous to us, definitely, but accidents are very limited. For example, we had uh, last year there was only five fatalities of shark attacks worldwide. Worldwide, which is which is nothing. Mosquitoes are a million human deaths in average every year. So, and sh- and dogs are. Uh, I think dogs have caused. Uh, thirty thousand human deaths a year. Wow! So, so there you go. There's the statistics. Dogs cause more deaths than sharks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wouldn't think that. I I can understand the fear of sharks because it's uh I mean when they do attack it can, it's uh, it's terrifying. It's it's very violent, but it, it's their territory also. Mm. You know, you cannot you cannot erase a whole species of animal just because they could be dangerous to to us and they 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 are very important to the ecosystems because they basically they they maintain they maintain a certain balance in species if mm. you take out one species then the other species that is hunt, hunted by this species will thrive more and and maybe they will make another species disappear because there are too many of them. That's what happenings was that's what happening with turtles, for example. Shark mm. eats turtles, and if you have too many turtles, they will eat too many uh, jellyfish. Um, and there's another side. There's another side effect. Sometimes they they tend to haunt animals in the in the in the seaweed, mm. and so several animals which are uh, hunted hunted by um, sharks. Such as I think the the sea lions or can't remember which uh, which species might stay in this same area and make the whole grass forest disappear because they will eat it all and not move. Mm. There are many uh, many side effects of shark disappearance. Uh, they also maintain kind of a healthy ocean by eating the the weakest and the and the and the injured. So they will stop several diseases from spreading yeah and the scientific research have demonstrated that fish have a definite impact on filtering the uh, the water and maintaining the the, the climate and maintaining the, the 
the the balance between CO two and and the oxygen they participate into into making the 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 air that we breathe more breathable. Mm. So if you fish seventy of them, that's you know um, leaving less sharks, which will filter the mm. uh, the the water and the air. So it's there are a lot of um, a lot of negative impacts. Yeah, I think you put it in a really lovely way that sharks are the balance keepers of the ocean. This balance was, um, I mean, it, it's the result of millions of years of evolution and um, um, the disturbances that we're creating are, are going too fast for nature to to keep up. Yeah. So um, so it is important trying to, to make a difference with shark conservation and I think that it is going in the right direction because there are many, uh, there are many NGOs which are dedicated to shark conservation, and there's a lot, there, there are a lot of campaigns. Mm. You might have heard about the stop finning EU, uh, EU, which we're working on sometimes. Basically, a European ban of shark fishing, mm. which would definitely have an impact on, on shark conservation. So moving on to something else that you're really passionate about which is trash trash (laughs) passionate about trash i'm a trash enthusiast you're a trash (laughs) enthusiast because last time we spoke you showed me bottles that you'd found on the coastline where you live which is on my under my desk you're in cancun right yeah now i'm in cancun yeah i think i'll go back to sunglass in there in january so is this the trash right that you now, found in San Blas? Yes. No. No, no. this was in, in uh, not in Cancun. It was in Puerto Morelos, which is a, which is a, a smaller town next to Cancun. And we did a cleanup, which was quite successful. We had a lot of people. And then we went to this beach, which I know has a lot of plastic, uh, mm. plastic things. And uh, and uh, usually it's it's really really it's full of plastics and that day it was clean <laughs> so i was a bit disappointed oh no <laughs> i was like oh damn it and and uh, it, was good. Lima, it actually is good that it was clean <laughs> no it was not good because it, it, <laughs> it means that it's back in the ocean so oh okay because yeah. if it's the currents kind of take it back out into the ocean that's the thing that's the thing we have a lot of of our beaches in Cancun which are affected by currents, so that's why we have this. Mm. Uh, th- this is a bottle from Nongfu Spring, which is uh, big in Malaysia, I think. Um, and the, so we we have we receive a lot of trash from Asia because that's how the currents are um, are are taking it. But yeah. sometimes, you know, it, it can be frustrating because you go, let's say, you go on Wednesday. And you mm-hmm. see that the beach is full of trash and like, okay, let's do a cleanup on Saturday. And on Saturday is nothing. <laughs> it just depends on what Mother Nature's doing, really. Yeah. How does, I mean, apart from the obvious when people go to beaches and they leave their trash behind, how does all this trash end up in our oceans in the first place? Oh, it's, it's I think that people leaving trash in the by the beach is a small percentage of uh, of how trash ends up in the ocean it kind of depends on on um on on each country on how they manage their trash um their, tra- their you know their plastic trash um but 
um, there is kind of a, a, a social injustice in this because we we tend to try to have a cleaner image to have, oh, this this is not our problem. We recycle a lot, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Europe sends a lot of their trash in Asia or in Africa and they mm. don't have a great, you know, a great um, facility to create facilities to 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 have all of this trash so it ends up in the ocean if you have a strong wind if you have strong rains if you have a, uh if you have a hurricane well a lot of the trash will go back into the ocean some uh some companies uh, will will litter a lot also yeah and if you litter in a in a forest next to an ocean the it, it is impressive how trash on land will always find its way to, to the ocean it's uh yeah it's a fact yeah so I, I tend to be to give people a break and not being in this because uh, some uh, of my fellow activists uh, can be a little bit uh, hard on people being ah oh, people are trash people are no it's more complex than that I, I believe it's a little bit more complex than that it definitely is. Do I say with a toy in my hand, like being very <laughs> serious. <laughs> no, it, it's true because yeah. you know, families with lower income, mm, definitely, you kind of can't necessarily afford to go and, you know, go to the organic shop and buy their 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 you know their food without plastic wrappings or, you know, they have different accessibilities they don't have like you said in some areas they don't have a great trash collection or yeah, we have the we have this conversation uh, mm. the time that some uh, i work with some uh, more remote communities in cancun which are uh considered as lower uh with lower income and, and lower mm. social status so they so some some of these uh communities do, do not even have a trash recollection ever so they they would litter and it's um and i i think it's a little bit unfair to 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 just have the um to just blame being yeah. like oh i'm blaming you blah oh this is bad no just find solution or yeah if you can't find a solution then you know don't don't put it on the people with the administration and the politicians you can you blame know, them they, exactly they blame them they they uh <laughs> They, it's like it's, it's okay to be mean to them. <laughs> yes, be mean to to the politicians and the administrators. Not be mean, but like um, maybe pressure they, on them. Put pressure on them. Demand more, definitely. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, and um, a lot of people actually say that beach cleanups are just for can kind of just for the show and not very useful. Mm. Uh, but I would. Uh, definitely encourage people to 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 get involved in this. Will it solve the plastic crisis? No, definitely not. The mm. the the amount of plastic is too is too insane for us to yeah solve. But um, but it is it is something. Uh, you don't have to save uh, the the entire world. First, aim for your local community, uh, and if everyone does that effort for their own small local community, mm. real change can be made. You know, it's it's not a change we, which I will make alone or Greta will make. <laughs> yes, alone. exactly. 
I love her. She's my hidden daughter. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you cannot have one. You know, it, it cannot be the the fact of one person. Yeah. Um, and sometimes people have approached to 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 us for the project, and they oh, I do that with my community, and they they have this like, oh, but what you do is bigger. No, it's not. I mm. mean, we're you know working so closely with your own community, it makes a huge impact. Um, so beach cleanups are a way to make plastic pollution a topic. It is yeah, a, a way to raise awareness and get people, I think, passionate. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And to have hands-on plastic pollution, because sometimes you have to really find <laughs> the dirty places. Yeah. So it's not, always, it's not always the famous beaches. No, it's sometimes you have to, to go a little bit out of outside of the of the known places and you you will see with your own eyes like oh wow this is a whole thing and uh, it, it inspires people to 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 make a change and to and to have um to, to take action also because uh, th that's one of the big prides of, of in of this job and, and is of my life i would say that we have now uh many leaders for many different um many different locations Mm -hmm. uh, we have somebody in in Carmen, in Puerto Meros, in Puerto Vallarta, in in Cancun, in San Blas, and soon we have someone in in uh, in Merida, and we we have a lot of small oh. locations and small not small leaders, but like leaders of of, uh, of yeah. their own communities. Little pieces of a bigger puzzle. Yeah, and and I love it. I'm gonna do a really exciting event in uh, in December, where mm -hmm. we will do. All of the, uh, all of the, all of the like smaller groups, the spin-offs, <laughs> yeah. will gather at the same time and we'll do uh, cleanups in the uh, in the same at the same hour, connected cleanups. So there will be one in, in Vallarta, two in, in Cancun, one in Playa Carmen, one in Mer we'll have like ten locations in total. Oh, wow, that's going to be cool. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if that's ever been done before. Probably hasn't. I don't know. I that that's what I was wondering because I. Beach cleanups are getting uh, quite popular, but there are not so many people who uh, who run them on a regular basis. So yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Maybe. Maybe I'm like maybe, but I I, I don't want to say that I'm the first to do that. But maybe, yeah. But, but maybe I'm the first that has done a dry queen cleanup. <laughs> Have you done a dry <laughs> queen cleanup, or is this good? Yes. Gonna... <gasps> I'm gonna do another one this uh, this uh, next week, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was so great. And uh, <laughs> uh, hi, Jameson. And Jameson <laughs> got dressed into the a plastic bag, and he was uh, he, he had the whole dance choreography on stage. It was like it was so cool. But and you also, I, you did mention that you did what some well you told me, but what's the most special thing that you found? Hunting for trash. No, I know where you're going. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> no, I think that maybe I, I have to give you some honorable mentions before I yeah. give my very special. I give away my very special trash. Okay. I found. We found. I found a a, a giant Pikachu once on the beach. A plastic Pikachu, but it was it was like really in bad shape. It was all yeah. gray, 
And uh, but it was a massive one. I found this. I thought it was That's a funny cool. one. Yeah, we found a dildo once. Oh my! Okay, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that was. I was not there, but when I received the the photo. I was like, oh wow! Oh my god, you must find <laughs> all kinds of things. So giant Pikachu. Um, no, actually, actually, it's, you don't find so many. Um, weird things i mean the, the 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 trash from from china is is always mind-blowing but funny things which we found we, we find a lot of uh, condoms from abroad yeah recently i found a condom from uh, malaysia which obviously i don't think you can use it no, <laughs> I no, think no, it's no, probably no. not good anymore <laughs> but it was kind of funny to be like oh that's made in malaysia what else have i found okay no actually you didn't really find so many weird things just find a lot of regular trash or you, you find toys which are fun have you found jewelry not really no you you find uh you find a lot of underwear all right if i come oh, no. gonna do we need to do metal detecting on the beach because you just don't know what you're going to find metal oh, detecting. Okay. I, have, I have to think of where i would take you do I don't me. want to traumatize you either <laughs> oh, no. some of them are really nasty no but that's okay um no yeah oh yeah once I found a <laughs> once I found a uh, a mannequin oh, in the water and I and I'm a true crime fan yeah I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and uh, there's one true crime which podcast which I love uh, it's called Wine and Crime Wine Have and you Crime ever heard of it? No it's sounds good three girls who who talk about crimes and get shit faced at the same time <laughs> and they have this saying that uh you know whenever somebody finds a dead body they always think it's a mannequin and they have this common thread during the oh no the podcast like it's it's never a mannequin and I did an episode with them once so we we're kind of buddies now and uh and I <laughs> I send them this like big mannequin we found in the water, and I was like, "Sometime it is a mannequin." <laughs> oh my gosh! God, it was a mannequin. Yeah, it was creepy. I was afraid for a second. I was like, "Wait, <laughs> what is this?" Oh my goodness! But the most interesting thing which which I found during a during a cleanup was uh, my baby cat, of course. I was doing uh I was doing a cleanup. I think it's the worst. Not the worst because because I found my cat, but it's the it was the hardest cleanup which I have ever done. If you ask all of my team of volunteers who are still here today, they will tell you the same. Like this was the hardest. We found a lot of uh dead dogs, a lot of uh, mm. a lot of really stinky things and uh mm. And someone littered a lot, a, a mountain of of uh, you know the batteries, yeah, small batteries. It, it was horrible, and I'm usually quite resistant to smelly and difficult cleanup, but that's the closest I have ever gone to a cleanup in a cleanup to vomiting. Yeah, it was the the. The, you know, the, we, there were a lot of fridges with uh, water in it, and the, the, there was a whole ecosystem in there, but it stink. Yeah. It must be really confronting sometimes and just. Mm. You say stink? It stink or it stinks? Stinks. But in the past, it stank. It stank. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's I think stank. so. I've got me questioning that now. Yeah. 
kind of a slang now. Okay, it it, uh, it reeks. It reeks. Um, oh my god, the smell was horrible, and and um, so at the end, I remember there was a, a massive pile of trash at the entrance of the uh, of the lagoon, and I was uh maybe I will try to find the strength to motivate people to go there. Yeah, and I go there alone, and I see two baby cats but mm. that's small very tiny tiny babies she was she was less than a month uh a month old oh, i wonder and how long she was there for i don't know i think not so long because i don't know how it worked because we didn't find the mother mm. and when they are that young the mother would not go for such a long period of time mm. so so my guess is that maybe um, there was this, a family who had a, a cat, and they, oh, damn, the cat has uh, babies, and they did not what they did not know what to do. And after two or three weeks, they were like, you know, let's just, which is a horrible thing. To horrible. Do. It's uh, at at least be responsible for for them. Yeah. So I we tried to catch both of the cats, but the the other cat ran away and um, couldn't find her. We couldn't find the other cat, but uh, we we got. Uh, I had her in my hands, and and she well, she just let it go. She didn't really find. <laughs> she was like, "Well, okay." Oh, and, it's meant um, to be. Oh, it's it's really weird to have uh, in in your hand like um this this little thing, this little mm. vulnerable thing who's so sick and so and and you find it quite unfair. And it was a really emotional moment for everyone. We're like. Wow. Yeah. And I really wanted to adopt her, but since I'm moving a lot, I I decided that I would leave her in the care of her other mama. Uh hi Daphne, who's um who's the happy mama uh of uh of blue. Everyone wanted her to name's blue. Her. They they wanted to call her blue because she has blue eyes and uh, and blue religion, you know. Yeah. Everyone really got involved in, in her uh in her well-being and in her story yeah at the beginning we would um we would take her in 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 events when she was a baby but now she's not she doesn't like to go out uh, to go out anymore and she's um it was difficult it was difficult it's still difficult now not to have her i wish because she's she's my baby and i and i i know i did i, I made the best decision the decision not to have her because i travel mm -hmm. But, um, but I still want her <laughs> to be with still me. your little oh. girl, Blue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she could be the next guest on Chilling with Chumi, Chilling with Blue. Yeah, definitely. But you have to meet her when you come to Mexico. Oh, I'd love to. And so, what's next for Bernardo and Blue Religion? What have you got coming up? Um. So I'm going. I'm going back to San Blas in um in January and we will basically kick off the the expeditions and the projects so if anybody who's listening to the podcast is interested in uh, in diving with sharks especially maybe people from uh, outside of Europe but even yeah in Europe if you want to plan your your vacation in Mexico there we would be very happy to have you uh especially in this in this uh season um, so we have this expedition, uh, an ocean safari, where we cannot really promise people we will see sharks because they are they are gone. Mm. But 
it will uh, it will definitely uh, help shark conservation. It will help sharks come back to this area. You can see the only shark you can see pretty easily is the whale shark, which is quite exciting. Yeah. Um, you can see a lot of turtles, a lot of dolphins. You can go whale watching. Uh, you can see manta rays as well, which is which is cool. And uh, we have we will have um, expeditions in Baja California the whole uh, um, the whole spring also where we we can observe uh, a lot of a lot of sharks a lot of different kind of sharks, but don't be afraid if uh, if swimming with the sharks is what uh, gives you the chills. Mm. It's uh, we're we're swimming with sharks which are not so aggressive. Yeah. Um, and uh, you'll see a lot of macro sharks, some hammerheads, some blue sharks, which are very beautiful, uh, maybe some bull sharks as well. And you'll see a lot of many, many animals. You'll see uh, sea lions, you'll see uh, rays, possibly uh, whales also. Yeah, there are a lot it's, of sardines. They're so pretty in, in, in the, yeah. I mean... The way you described diving and the experience of being underwater, it does make me really want to give diving a go. So what's next for Blue Religion and what's the best way to support you guys? So if you uh, are interested in collaborating with us, we're definitely uh, open to, to this. So first, the first way you could help is if you're going on a vacation in Mexico, feel free to, to text us and maybe... Um, you know, go for an expedition with us because all of the um, money which we receive from the from the expeditions will be um, dedicated to shark conservation, basically. Uh, but if you don't have the economical resources to fly, fly uh, to fly to Mexico and, and go on a, an expedition, uh, you can also become an education ambassador from anywhere you you are, pretty much. Uh, I can provide you with all the materials to teach. Um, you can start with this with uh, with any kids at school if you're a teacher or if you're just uh, interested in working with us, basically. So you can also donate, which will help. Mm. So there's a lot of way. There are a lot of ways that that you can help with these projects. So feel free to contact. And the best way to keep in touch with you guys on social media: where should people follow you? So um, we, ha we have a Facebook, we have a, an Instagram page. The Instagram page is Blue Region underscore org. And my uh, personal page is uh, Bernardo Blue Religion. So feel free to follow and say hi. Um, and if you are interested in, interested in, uh, in working with us and helping us, you can definitely DM me. And, uh, and even to send the emails on the... Uh, all of our emails are available on, on the website, so uh, don't be shy. But thank you so much for being my guest on Chillin' with Chill Me. And thank you for having me. We'll definitely continue this chat soon. Yeah. And I'll include all the links in the show notes below, how you can support Blue Religion and where to follow you online. So thank you so, so much. And yeah, see you next time. Thanks for listening.